So today we launch God Never Said That. Over the next four weeks, we're going to look at four different belief systems that people have attributed to God, but the reality is God never said that. Uh, Next week, we'll look at a saying that people say all the time. Maybe you've even said it. You've probably heard it. And that is, God will never give you more than you can handle. You ever hear that? God never said that. On week three, we'll look at a dangerous cultural lie that people believe. It doesn't matter what you do as long as you don't hurt anyone. You ever hear somebody say that? Well, God never said that. And then in week four, we'll look at the saying, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you are sincere. God never said that. And today, we're going to look at what may be the most popular misbelief, certainly in Western Christianity, and that is God wants me to be happy. Above all else, God's supreme goal for me, God wants me to be happy. And I would love to tell you that's true. I'd love to tell you that above all else, God wants you to enjoy life. Above all else, God wants only good things to happen to you. I'd love to be able to tell you that. In fact, I can quote a scripture here to try and prove it to you. Psalm 27, 97, 12 says, May all who are godly be what? Happy. May all who are godly be happy. But this is one of the big mistakes that people believe about God. They believe, above all else, God wants me to be happy. But if you believe that, it starts you down the road of the theology of happiness. And the theology of happiness uh, looks like this. It starts out, you you think, whatever makes me happy must be right, and whatever makes me unhappy must be wrong. So right and wrong are determined by what makes me happy. And that's a dangerous place to go. Number two, uh, if happiness is the goal, supreme goal of life, then we start to believe that unhappiness, discomfort, delays, difficulties, risks, suffering, inconveniences, obstacles, they can't possibly be the will of God for my life. And so if something isn't going just right for me, then God must not be working in my life. He must not be holding up his end of the deal. And then without knowing it, number three, I begin to worship the false gods of comfort, money, pleasure, and things. If I believe, above all else, God wants me to be happy, I will worship the false gods of personal peace and affluence. As long as I'm happy and comfortable, as long as I've got everything I want, all's right with the world. The problem is, is that when we believe that, We're forced to believe that God exists to serve us. You and I, we've got to come to understand. Don't miss this. God does not exist to serve us. We exist to serve God. Now, maybe you notice, even as I say that, when, when I say God doesn't exist to serve us, I think, oh, but I exist to serve God. You know, when we think of God serving us, that's a good thing. We like God serves us. When we say we serve God, all of a sudden the word serve takes on a little negative meaning. Oh, I serve God? We don't like that. But if I believe that God exists to serve me, then I've reduced the creator and sustainer of the universe down to a cosmic Coke machine. It's like God becomes some sort of spiritual vending machine. I put my money in, press the button, he plops out my selection. 
You know, God, I, I said my prayers, I read my Bible, I tried to do good things, I tried not to do bad things, gave a little money in the offering, helped an old lady across the street. I swerved to miss my neighbor's cat instead of swerving to hit it. God, I do good things. And therefore, my headaches and heartaches should go away. I've done my part, now God needs to do his part and make me happy. I should get a good job, I should get my dream house, I should get my dream car, I put my money in, I press the button, come on God, you need to deliver. Make me happy. And the tragedy of this misbelief is, is people walk away from God for the wrong reasons. They say things like, I tried church and it didn't make me any happier. I tried God, tried religion, it didn't work. I went to small group, I read my Bible, prayed every day, I'm still sick. My kids are still fighting, my marriage is struggling, I'm not any better off financially than I was before. It didn't work. If you believe God exists to make you happy, then when you're not happy, it forces you to believe that God failed. But God hasn't failed. You just started out with the wrong premise and wound up in a very dangerous place. Now, please understand what I am not saying. I'm not saying that God doesn't want you happy. Because the Bible's clear that God delights in your happiness. I mean, when you're happy, it brings him joy. Just as any parent is delighted when a child is happy. You know, it's final exam season. And let's say your kid comes home and they got an A on their final exam. If your kid gets an A on his final, he's excited, he's happy. You as a parent, you're happy. He's happy, you're happy, everybody's happy. Now suppose that you discover that your child got an A by cheating on the test. And suddenly, his or her happiness is not your highest priority because how they got to happiness matters more than that he's happy. And yet many of us think, well, God should be happy. I'm happy no matter how I got there. Even if I've broken the rules and cheated to get there. Because above all else, God wants me to be happy. But God does not want us to pursue happiness. God wants us to pursue him. God wants us to pursue him. And, and we don't pursue him in order to get to happiness. We don't pursue God just so he'll give us what we want. We pursue God just because he is. Because he's worthy of our pursuit. I want to show you two, two situations where, where God does not want you to be happy. If that's how you got to happiness, God's not happy. What are they? Number one is when it causes you to do something wrong or unwise. You know, many people think, oh, this is going to be fun. This is going to be great. This is going to feel so good. This is going to make me happy. I'm happy when I do this. But if it's something wrong or unwise, sinful, it may be fun for a while. Sin is pleasant for a season. But in the end, it leads to death. The fundamental error so many people make is, is they think that above all else, God wants them to be happy. But the Bible tells us that above all else, God wants us to be holy. 1 Peter 1.15 Just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. We think the goal is to be happy. God says, no, no, no. The goal is to be holy. It's to be holy. And part of the problem is, is we believe the lie that to be holy means to be miserable. You know, you hear the word happy and you hear the word holy and you oh, 
you know. We just believe the lie that, that to be holy means to be miserable. But to be holy means to suffer. We believe the lie that holiness is stuffy and boring. Holiness is dull, drab, and dreary. Happiness is exciting, fun, interesting. Holiness is not. That's the lie that we're fed by the world, the flesh, and the devil. The enemy would have us to believe that the only alternative to the theology of happiness is the theology of grumpiness. You know, one of the reasons I, I was moved to start Rockbrook was I was tired of the theology of grumpiness. I was just tired of, of the premise that, that holiness and obedience to God's word uh, means you've got to be miserable and unhappy. I was tired of dour Christianity. You know, our options are not limited between happiness and grumpiness, happiness and misery. When we believe the lie that those are our only two options, well, obviously we're going to pick happiness, you know, but happiness and grumpiness are not our only options. God offers us the option to pursue holiness. And holiness is better than either one of the other two options. But when we wrongly believe that above all else God wants us happy, that belief system will lead us to do what is actually wrong and justify it in our minds. We do what feeds the flesh and we justify it. Because, well, does, does, isn't that what God wants for me? It doesn't God want my comfort and my joy and my pleasure? And this is how it plays out in our lives. Let's say that you decide you want to eat cake. And notice, I did not say a piece of cake. You want to eat the whole cake. It would make me happy to eat the whole cake. But that would be a wrong and unwise decision. Because ultimately, gluttony doesn't make us happy. Gluttony makes us miserable. Or let's say you don't like your job. Your job is more frustrating than fulfilling. But you've got three kids under the age of five, and so you really need a job. But it would make you so happy, so happy to go into your boss one day and just say, take this job and... Yeah. Some of you have been practicing. Yeah. Yeah, that would just make you so happy. And people do it. They do it all the time. People quit their job before they have another job lined up. Because their job makes them unhappy and quitting makes them happy. But don't be unwise. Don't be foolish. You've got little mouths to feed at home. But people justify doing something stupid just because it makes me happy. Or we, you know, we're getting divorced because we're not happy in our marriage. God wants me to be happy, doesn't he, Pastor? God wants me to be happy, uh, and I'm not happy in my marriage, so I'm getting divorced rather than keeping my covenant. We justify doing the wrong thing because it makes me happy. And the list goes on and on. Area of entertainment. People go to movies or watch TV shows that are fueled by sin. They're fueled by sin. They're filthy. They're smutty. But they are so funny. They're just so funny. But funny doesn't make wrong right. He's a follower of Christ. You're called to a higher standard. So if you want to go see it, go see it. If you want to watch it on TV, watch it. But I'm praying to God that while you're watching it, you're going to imagine God sitting right next to you asking you, Are you happy? Are you happy? I mean, you can go see it, but I just ruined it for you. So save your $10 and 
and, uh, and don't go. Because God doesn't want you happy when it causes you to do something wrong or unwise. Just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. Here's the deal. If you pursue happiness instead of holiness, you wind up with neither. You wind up with neither. Number two, second time God doesn't want you happy is when it's only based on the things of this world. Here's the formula that our culture gives us. Better possessions. You know, it's newer, faster, shinier, bigger, whatever. Plus peaceful circumstances. The absence of all conflict, no hardship, no difficulty. Thrilling experiences. The big vacation, the big thrill, the big game, the big party, the big event. The right relationship with just the right person. And if you're not the right person, I'll trade you in for a different person. The perfect appearance. And so we tuck it, we lift it, we poof it, we smooth it, we shave it, we tan it, we tattoo it, we pierce it, so it looks just right. And if you have all these things, that equals happiness. But the problem is, all these things are based on happenings. They're all based on circumstances, and circumstances change. That's why no one really finds lasting happiness in the things of the world, because they're only temporary. They're counterfeits. They're not the real thing. A man walked into a grocery store. Actually, he was sent to the grocery store to get one thing. And any time a man is sent to the grocery store, two things happen. First, he gets the wrong thing. I mean, we're men. It's what we do. Okay? And the second thing is, is he gets something that wasn't even on the list. Because we are hunter-gatherers. And so that's what we do. So, so this man was sent to the store, and so he got the wrong thing. And then he also picked up something that wasn't on the list. He bought crab dip. Because at the table in the front, crab dip was only $3.99. And he's like, whoa, in a restaurant, crab dip is like $10.99. This is cheap. So he bought two. (laughs) And he's thinking, I'm going to wow my small group. Crab dip for small group. This is going to impress these people. And then the group shows up, and and they uh, taste the crab dip, and it tastes like nine-month-old mayonnaise and Spam. (laughs) And they're like, oh, ooh, what is this? This isn't crab dip. And then when you read the label, it said imitation crab meat, whatever that is. Okay? And that's exactly what the world does. It says if you buy this, if you wear this, if you have this, if you trade this in for that, then you're going to be happy. Yet you're still not happy because it's an imitation based on a lie. God does not want you to be happy when it's only based on the things of the world. Look at 1 John 2, 15. Do not love the world or anything in it. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. I mean, just let that one sink in for a moment. If you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires... They pass away. They're temporary. They're fake. They're imitation. They're gone. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. God does not want you to be happy above all else 
if it's based on the things of the world because it won't last, because it's temporary. Above all else, God's highest calling for you is not your happiness. God has something better for you than happiness. And the only alternative to happiness is not grumpiness or to be miserable or bored. It's not just a choice between those two. What God really wants is God wants you blessed. Blessed. Happiness is based on happenings. The blessed life is based on God's goodness and his presence in your life. The, the Greek word for blessed is the word makarios, and it means to be supremely blessed. It, it literally means to be more than happy. More than happy. That's what God wants for you. The problem is, when we hear that God wants us blessed, our, our flesh immediately goes to the idea, ooh, that means more money, good health, great job, big house, perfect spouse. That's not what the blessed life means. When God wants you blessed, it doesn't mean you won't lose your job. It doesn't mean you'll never face an illness. It doesn't mean loved ones won't get sick and die. It doesn't mean that evil will never befall you. It doesn't mean your life is always going to be easy. What it means is you will experience the goodness of God in the middle of the difficulties of life. Your blessedness is not based on a perfect, pain-free life. God never promises that. Jesus said in John 16, he said, in this world you will have what? Trouble. Trouble. I mean, if you're looking for a promise from God, there's one. In this world you will have trouble. I promise. But take heart. I have overcome this world. And the problem is we're looking for this pain-free, perfect life. And when we don't find it, then we think God has failed. When the reality is God is active. God wants to be active in the midst of our pain-filled life. We live in a sinful, broken world. Just because you're blessed doesn't mean you're not going to have trials. It doesn't mean you're not going to feel weak. It doesn't mean there won't be storms in your life. What it means is, is that in the midst of the storm, God shows up. You can find blessing. The supernatural peace of God goes beyond your human ability to understand and comprehend it. It is, the Bible calls it, the peace that passes understanding. And that peace will guard your heart, mind, and soul in Christ. And some of you today, right in the middle of a storm, yet God has moved and you find peace. I mean, you can be in the middle of a trial, a test, even a temptation. Something you would never choose to go through, what you're going through. You feel like you don't even have the strength to go through it. And yet, for some reason, you have joy, unspeakable. How do you have that joy? It just comes from God. I'm pursuing God instead of pursuing happiness. As you mature in Christ, you come to recognize that you can actually rejoice in your sufferings and trials because you know that they're developing holiness in you. And holiness trumps happiness every time. Every time. You've been through enough trials, you recognize, I'd never choose to go through this again. But through this trial, God has conformed me and transformed me into the image of Christ. And because I walked through that season of difficulty, I've come to know him more intimately. I experienced the goodness of God in a way that I couldn't have on a good day. I found his goodness on a bad day that I would never choose to go through. It's the blessing of God. 
Psalm 37, 4, David said, we are to delight in the Lord. Delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. You know, Hebrew words are story words. They have so much depth and texture to them. And the Hebrew word here for delight carries with it the idea of being made soft and pliable. I mean, what's that about? Delight, made soft and pliable? But what it, what it carries with it is the idea that as we seek God, as we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, as we pursue God as the object of our affections, as we stop pursuing happiness and start pursuing him, we enjoy his presence. We are delighting in him. And then he, he moves in and he gives us not everything humanly that I want in the flesh. He gives us the desires of our heart. What he actually does is he changes my desires to match his desires. That's what he does. And so all of a sudden, I'm not praying for my will. I'm praying for his will. Because holiness, we're pursuing holiness instead of happiness. And, and it, delighting in the Lord has made me soft and pliable. I'm being conformed to the image of Christ. And I find myself living a very blessed life. Not a pain-free life. Not a perfect life. But something that's far better than happiness. A joy unspeakable. A peace, a supernatural strength when I'm weak. His presence that, that just carries me through. Max Lucado asked the question, said, if you took a fish out of water and put it on the beach, would the fish be happy, yes or no? And that's not a rhetorical question. I mean, I'm really asking you that. If you take a fish out of water and you put him on the beach, is the fish going to be happy, yes or no? no? No. Why? There's no water. The fish is like... Okay? That's my best fish imitation. <clears throat> Imagine that while you're watching that dirty movie. Okay? <laughs> so let's say we give the fish a big wad of cash. Let's say we give him $100,000. Now is the fish happy? Yes or no? No. So what if we give the fish a lounge chair and a Corona beer and a People magazine? Is the fish happy? Okay. Some of you are thinking about that one. <laughs> no, he's not happy. Why? Because the fish wasn't created for the beach. The fish was created for the ocean. And likewise, if you have everything this world offers, uh, are you going to be ultimately, lastingly happy? The answer is no. No. Because you were not created for this world. You were created to glorify God. God doesn't exist to serve you. You exist to serve God. So you've got to lower your expectations of happiness. No new car, no new house, no new job, no new spouse is going to satisfy the cravings of your heart because inside your heart you were made for holiness. You were made to love Christ. And some of you have tried everything out there you can. You, you've parted your brains out. You've consumed everything you could. You've rearranged your body. You've traded one relationship for another. You've tried this job and this job and this job and this city and that city and nothing fulfills. Why? Because you were not created to be satisfied by the world. It's all counterfeit. It, it's all fake crab. There is something so much more real out there for you. And so you need to lower your expectations of happiness and increase your expectations of holiness. Because that's what you were made for. I started off with Psalm 97, 12. It says, may all who are godly be happy. But I intentionally didn't give you the rest of the verse. 
I saved it for now because it wraps up the whole message. And 97.12 says, May all who are godly be happy in the Lord and praise his holy name. Happiness is not going to be found in the happenings on earth. Happiness is only found in the Lord. It's deeper than happiness. It's blessedness. It's joy unspeakable. It's peace. It's power. It's his presence. It's an eternal calling. You were created for holiness. You were created for something far better. Let's pray. God, indeed, we thank you for your wisdom. We thank you for the wonderful plan that you have for our lives, that your plan to bless us far exceeds any circumstance, any happening that we might find ourselves in. God, I would pray that you would open our eyes to that truth, that you would take the lies of the world, the flesh, and the devil, that you would take our desires and turn them into your desires. God, give us the desires of your heart so that we can delight in you, so that we can be made soft and pliable and that our will becomes your will and our plan becomes your plan and our purpose is your purpose and we begin to serve you. That we begin to become holy just as you are holy. God, you love us so much. You have such great things in store for us. May you be our joy. May you be the object of our, of our delight. For we ask it in Jesus' name.